This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. So I want to start off with a Mishnah tonight because I really feel that it's very nice to get up and to give chizuk, but there has to be a tachlis. In other words, people come to speeches and they... I have a famous story that happened in Ornava. I gave once a speech, once a speech about technology. A hundred and once a speech about technology. And I was talking about phones. And you know, so when you're a speaker, you know when you're on, you know when you're not on. I was really on that night. And the girls were like, wow, Rabbi, wow, Steve. That was an amazing speech, the dangers of technology. I never knew that could happen. Oh, they were like going crazy. So I said, well, hold it, hold it. There were, oh, it must have been 500 girls there. I said, everybody sit down for one second. I have a plastic, it's true, I have a plastic garbage bag here because I knew that tonight I'd be on. So it was a Wednesday night share. I give a share every Wednesday night. I said, do me a favor. Put your, whoever really liked my share and really understood the dangers, drop your phone in the bag and next Wednesday night I'll give it back to you. Okay? Great. Great speech. Wow. We're scared. You got us. Not one phone. One girl, it's a true story. One girl gets up and she, you know, you see some girls talking to each other. Maybe, I don't know. I need it. I, I work. I can't. I can't. I, I, I can't. I don't, uh, and they're all talking to each other. Like, I, 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 but my mother, she can't reach. Uh. This one girl gets up and says, I'm giving him my phone. Okay, one's enough. As a speaker, you change one person's life. You did it. That's what you want. Sometimes it's you yourself that you change. It's also good. So, she walks up in front of all these girls and she drops her phone in the bag. And they start cheering and they start clapping. And she's mamish like red like a beet. And she turns around and she goes, I'm, 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 I'm really sorry. I have to apologize. You see... And she pulls out her second phone. <laughs> True story. See, I really have another phone. So, we're going on, we're going to stop in 13 cities. Rabbi Le Mansour speaking, Rabbi Pesachro, myself, Charlie, uh, the rabbits in Eretz Yisrael. And we're doing this because we want to change lives, not to entertain. So I found the Mishnah in Pirkei Avos. That in Mirza Hashem, I hope to open up all my speeches. The Mirza Hashem, the Brooklyn College speech, which is Thursday at Thursday May Chuba, will not be the same speech that me and Charlie gave tonight. We're speaking tonight for Rosh Hashanah. At that point, we'll be speaking for Yom Kippur. So it's not the it's not the same speech. But I hope to open up in Mirza Hashem all the speeches before Rosh Hashanah with this Mishnah. And the Mishnah Pirkei says the following, and it's a very very important Mishnah. It's written by Rabbi Elazar ben Azaya. Who are you, Aimer? He said. Anybody whose wisdom is more than his deeds. In other words, you heard all the speeches, you have all the knowledge, you're on Torah anytime, you know everything, you went to seminary, you went to school, you have all the chachma, you, you know my technology, you, you know everything. But the knowledge is up here, 
but it doesn't end up becoming myself, it doesn't end up in your deeds. You know you're not supposed to talk Lashon Hara, you know all the halachas of Lashon Hara, you learned a lesson a day, but you're still talking Lashon Hara. You know Kibbutz of the aim, is one of the Ten Commandments, but you answer your mother back. You know it's not good to be 12 hours a day on your phone, but you can't help it, right? So the mission is talking, but the mission understood that, that some people, we have this knowledge, we go to speeches, we hear a lot, we learn a lot, but we just can't take it from our brains into our hands, into our mice. So the mission says, what does that person compare to? Well, Elon, to a tree, human beings in Kabbalah, we're compared to the Eitz HaSadah. We're compared to trees because trees have the most potential of any tzomeach, of anything that grows. Because a tree gives shade, gives wood, gives fruit. There's no other plant that gives three different things. So we are compared to a tree because we are Adam. Adam is Adama. Adama is whatever you put in the ground grows. So we are potential. A human being is potential. A tree is potential. So that's what we're compared to. So the mission says, we're compared to a tree. Okay. What kind of tree? A tree, Shanafa Merubim, branches and leaves. It's beautiful. She quotes a lesson a day, she quotes Rabbi Wallenstein, she quotes Charlie Harari, she quotes all the Muslims for him, she quotes Musilas Yesharim, she's got leaves and branches, she looks like the most amazing, or he, an amazing guy, he knows everything, such chachmah. But, Shirasha Bu'utim, but if you don't act on what you learn, your roots are small. Baruch Ba, and a wind comes, Ba'akarto, and rips this tree out. And flips it on its face. Which is very hard to understand if a tree doesn't have a face. So what does this mean? This means I was once in, actually in a tornado. I was up in the mountains and I was a little boy. And I was actually in a tornado, in a building watching a tornado. And it ripped out all these trees by the roots. And I remember after the tornado I went out and I saw all these trees. It ripped out totally by the roots with all the dirt. And the next year I came back to camp and I saw that these trees were laying on the floor... And the, the branches were giving leaves. They were alive. And I couldn't understand how could the tree be alive. And then I looked and I saw that the roots, the tree was laying flat. And the roots left the tree and went into the ground. So the tree was getting unique nourishment from the ground even though it was, it was laying flat. The mission says here that a person who learns and learns and learns and learns and it's all up here but doesn't act. Hafakta alpanov. The tree will be flipped on its head. When a tree is flipped on its head, where are the roots? In the sky. The roots are in the sky. They cannot reach the earth. The tree dies. So in the end, the Mishnah says that a person who learns and learns and learns and learns and has all the knowledge, but doesn't act on the knowledge, in the end, all his learning will disappear. The tree will die. But, says the Mishnah, a person, he doesn't know everything. But he acts, she acts. When there are people talking Lashon Hara, she walks away. When there are people talking in Shul, she walks away. She acts. When people are not honoring her mother, or her sisters and brothers are not honoring her mother, she talks to them about it. She reacts, he acts. He acts on his knowledge. His knowledge is not that great, but, but there's action. So what does that compare to the Mishnah says? Yeah, he doesn't look like the smartest guy in the whole world. She doesn't know how to quote all the... She doesn't have all the ideas, all the knowledge, but Shirasha Marubim, this tree has many roots. The first tree, only one ruach, one wind. 
came and blew the tree out. Here, all the winds of the world come together. And blow on this tree. The tree won't even budge a drop. And not only that, says the Mishnah, it's like a tree that lives by a river. And into the river, it sends its roots. And don't worry, says the Mishnah, if there comes a year that there is no rain. Because because its roots are in the water. Says the Mishnah. And this tree will never stop from giving fruit. The Mishnah is telling us something very amazing. The Mishnah is telling us that a person who acts who he does, he acts on what he knows, even if he doesn't know that much. But a person that acts on what they know, they get these deep roots. Now what is this ruach? What is this ruach? What are we talking about? Today, of all the, of all the generations, the winds, forget about one, there's only one wind that can knock a tree out. The winds of the world, Iran and divorce, I mean, I don't have to go through, it's not Tishavah, so I don't have to go through all the depression that I'm just on my way here tonight. I have five of the most depressive phone calls. And one day, on my way here from Brooklyn to Queens, the, the, the divorce and, 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 and a kid in, in Utah and, and this kid, and this, this parent doesn't know where her kid is, right? Whilst they don't know where my kid is, he's gone, he's missing for two days. It, it's not normal what's going on. The wind is blowing! They're shooting cops for no reason. The guy's filling up at a gas station because he's white. Murdered him, massacred him. 43 policemen in a half a year shot for no reason. It's the Wild West. We're living in America where everything is legal. You can abort a child four months old and then sell its organs. That's the country that we live in and it's legal. When they asked him how, how he's doing, what he did to the twins, his answer was, it's for medicine. It's going to save people in the end. Plant Pyramid answered the same thing. We're in a crazy world. We're in a world that's gone totally nuts. So the wind is blowing. So the knowledge of knowing what to do is not enough. It'll take you and flip you on your head. Says the Mishnah that the only thing that's going to keep you in the ground, that's going to stop you from being depressed and giving up and being miyayish, is mycin, is deeds. Men, we put on our tefillin every day. We put on our tefillin shalyad, the tefillin of the hand before the tefillin of the head. And the rabbis ask, why don't you put the tefillin of the head first? First you think about doing the mitzvah, then you do the mitzvah. So the head should come first. The thought of putting on the tulin comes first. So you should put the tulin on your head first. Says Chazal, no. The more important than the machshav is the ma'isa. is the actual deed. And what is the last pair of tulin you take off? When you take your tulin off, you take your shalrash off first. So your tulin shayad goes on first and comes off last. Why? Because the yad represents deeds. Not chachma. Not being the smartest kid in the class. But the kid that does, the kid that has effort, I've been talking about this for years, the kid that tries, the kid that works, not the kid that knows. I know so many kids that know that today are atheists. They were brilliant, they got the best marks. And now they're using their brilliance to prove that there isn't a Hashem. It's the kid that does. We call him the grunt. The kid that does. Kid that does chesed, not the kid that bullies. 
It's the woman that does, not the woman that knows. It's the man that does, not the man that knows. And that's, I have to say that before any speech that I make, because what I'm going to tell you to do tonight is going to be very hard. And to walk out here and say, whoa, what a fantastic idea. But not to do it, the first wind that's going to come in your relationship is going to blow you right out of the water or out of the ground. So I'm coming to you with a very big secret tonight. And I feel that if we do this, there's no question that when you come on Rosh Hashanah and they judge your soul, you will come out with flying colors. And what is this? So you have a husband and a wife. And they're having an argument. She has her opinion. And he has his opinion. And they're fighting. They're arguing. One hour, two hours, because we're not giving in. The guys are not giving in. The girls are not giving in. And finally, in this argument, the husband actually wins. He wins. He breaks her down. And he proves to her that she doesn't know what she's talking about. And in the end, she says, you know what, Chaim? You're right. I'm wrong. And he's like, whoa, finally. What did you do, husband? Were you really right? So now your wife is going to walk away and feel either that she's not very smart or that she's wrong. Her walking away, feeling that she's wrong, you made the person that you love, right? It's your wife, you love her. You made her feel wrong. Is that right? Or is that really wrong? When you argue with your kid, when you're learning with your kid, and he's trying to tell you a Rashi. Or you're teaching, you're learning with your kid, you're doing homework in math. And the kid's like, 31 plus 21 equals 53. And you're like, no. Do the math. You're wrong. It's 52. What's wrong with you? How many times do we have to go over this example? Yay, mommy. You proved him that he was wrong. So the kid sits there and feels like, oh my God, my mother thinks I'm stupid too. So are you really right? To make your child feel, do you think that child's going to want to do math with you again? So the child won't have a choice. But the minute the child has a choice, he will never do anything with you again. Because he doesn't want to be wrong. Nobody in this room wants to be wrong. So if my conversation with my wife is always that I'm going to prove that I am right and she is wrong, conversation will stop. If every time a Tati learns with his son, you end up proving him that he has no idea, any Tati doesn't know, the Gemara, he's not going to want to learn with you anymore. So wrong many times is right. And being right many times is so wrong. And when I gave this shit to my boys in 
Yeshiva. Oh, Rebbe! How can you say that? It's very nice what you're saying. But if you're right, you're right, you've got to stand up for yourself. What do you, you expect me to say the other person's right when I know they're wrong? And I'm like, yes. Rebbe, that's not MS. Oh, I loved it. That's not MS. You know, all of a sudden they're MS, my boys. <laughs> I said, I'll prove you from the Torah that that's MS. Listen to this. Hashem comes to Avram Avinu and says by the Brisbane Absarim, you're going to have a child. Avram Avinu says, God, I am too old. I cannot have children anymore. Hashem goes to Sarimenu, says, Sarimenu, you're 90, you're going to have a child. Sarimenu says, even if I'm going to get back to being a young woman, you're going to give me back my body as a young woman, my husband's too old. He can't have children anymore. Hashem comes to Avraham Avinu. Avraham Avinu says, No! What did she say when you told her she's going to have children? Hashem said, Sari Menu said, she, She's too old to have children. That's not what she said! She said, He's too old to have children. Now, I'm not going to go into the deepness of this tonight, but I'm going to peel, I'm going to peel it away. So in other words, we're going to say it in a nice way because we're in a shul. Hashem told an untrue. Okay, we'll say it nicely. So you shouldn't be angry at me. Hashem told an untrue. Sorry, Emanu said, my husband's an old man and he can't have any children. When Abram said, what did she say? He said, sorry, Emanu said, she's an old woman, she can't have any children. Why? Because Hashem didn't want that Abraham Avinu should feel insulted by his wife. Even though Abraham already said he was too old. But a guy doesn't want to hear that from his wife. I can say I'm too old. My wife can't say I'm too old. It's true. Because I'll say. Now really, this is very Kabbalistic and it's a very long shear. But it's impossible for God to lie. Because God is MS. So it's very nice, Shalom, this and that, but he can't say an untruth. But he said an untruth. It's not what she said. How could God change the truth? Okay? And the Teretz is cutting away hours of, of talking and research. The Teretz is simple. When you make peace between two people, Real MS is showing. So when Akkadish Baruch Hu told this to Avram Avinu, and he made Shalom between Avram Avinu and Sarah, retroactively, it became the truth. And when you cause a machokas, Rabbi Wallace, what do you want from me? You, you, you just caused such a fight. My whole staff is fighting now, but, I, but she said that about her. It's true. When the truth causes the machlaikas in Shemayim, it's Sheker. Now I'll tell you a story that happened to me. The week before Tishabav, I'm giving my Tuesday night share. There's a new boy in my share. 
And I'm talking about the destruction of the Beit HaMikdash, and I'm going through my Tisha B'Av Shir, and everyone's to Brachen, and what we're going through, and, and the whole everything. And I finished my Shir, and the guys were, Mama's crying. We, I was crying, they were crying. It was like, it was Erev Tisha B'Av. This boy comes up to me, Ray Wallace, the new guy. Can I ask you a question? Sure. Now, all those in this room that know me know my feelings about technology. He walks up to me, and he says, Rabbi, this is a very serious question. I'm like, okay, go ahead. Do you think when Hashem builds the third base Hamigdash, there's going to be Wi-Fi in the base Hamigdash? <laughs> I promise that was the question. Now, the old Rabbi Wallstein would have taken his head, turned it off his body, and thrown it out the window. Are you crazy? I just talked to the show about Tishabov? You're worried in the third base Hamigdash if you can use your iPhone? There's going to be Wi-Fi? Are you out of your mind? Is that a question to ask Rabbi, of anybody, Rabbi Wallstein? But I already prepared this year. And I looked at him and the steam was coming out of my ears and the guys were like, uh-oh, bad question. <laughs> and I'm like, you know, Chaim, you're asking a very good question. I've been thinking all along if you learn the Navi of everything of the destruction based on Midrash you learn Yeshaya and Yemiyahu and you learn when, when Mashiach is going to come it talks about donkeys and wagons and horses and swords and I was wondering if all the technology that we have today where is it going to, what's going to happen when Mashiach comes you know we didn't understand he's going to blow the shaykh and the whole world's going to hear it now you know that you can put something on YouTube and you can have a billion hits so I don't know I don't know if technology. No, I, I think I, don't, I, I, I never heard a rabbi talk about when Mashiach comes. Is technology going to be here? Is it not going to be here? Is Hashem going to move the earth so the satellites are all out and all the phones won't work? I don't know. I said you're asking a very good question. I don't know because there was a point in the world where they wanted to reach Hashem, and it says that they they built some kind of crazy building much higher than the World Trade Center up to the seventh Rikia, and people say it was technology and computers, and then it says Hashem changed the languages. And it was a computer language, and there's all kinds of tyrants. in this. I said, you know what? You're asking a fantastic question. I don't know what's going to be when the third base of Midrash comes. So, so you also had that question? I'm like, I've had this question for years. He's been by my share every day, so every Tuesday since then. Now, ladies and men, what happens if I would have reacted? You behavior! You're out of your mind! Tishabob! You're worried about Wi-Fi in the base of Migdash? Don't you ever come to my class again! That is ridiculous! It would have hurt him so bad. So I would have been right. Chutzpah. Wi-Fi in the base of Migdash. Chutzpah. I would have been right. It would have been so wrong. So what I'm asking you tonight, I'm going to bring you a couple of different riots to this, proofs to this. What I'm asking you is to do something now to Rosh Hashanah, which is probably the hardest thing that you've ever tried to do in your life. And that is that once in a while when you're totally right and you know you're right and the other person's wrong, you tell them if it's not halachic problem, you tell them, you know what, honey, my wife, I thought about it. I hear what you're saying. I think you're right. And she's like, really? 
You never said that before to me in your life. No, I really think you're right. She walks away. Wow. And you walk away. Oh, man, I can't believe I did that. Oh, I was so right. I could have proved it to her. I had a picture of her. That's your first reaction. Your second reaction is, wow. Wow, power. When I know I'm right, I said I'm wrong. (laughs) To make the other person feel good? Wow. The Torah is full of proofs, what I just said. A Gemara. Gemara and Baba Metzia, Pehe. The Gemara says the following, very short story. Gemara says, Rebbe, he was sick for 13 years. He was so sick that when he went to the bathroom, he screamed so loud that the sailors on the ocean heard him. That's the kind of pain he was in. So the Gemara asks, what did he do wrong that he deserved that pain? Listen to what he did wrong. Maya said there was a story. The Hu Egla. There was a little veal, a little cat, a calf. He was being led to be slaughtered. The little little sheep, he put his head underneath the jacket of Rebbe. He was scared. And he began to cry. So Rebbe said to him, Zil, go away from here. That's what you were created for. Oh, in Shemayim they said, He didn't have pity on this little calf. We're not going to have any pity on him. For 13 years, he suffered the worst Yusurim. That's, that's humanly possible. It sounds like kidney stones. To have kidney stones for 13 years is something that's not, not even, you can't even fathom. What did he do wrong? What did he do wrong? The calf, the little calf, put its head underneath his jacket because it was going to be shechted and it started to cry. So he said, go for this you were created. In fact, it's a very good tikkun. You're going to be shechted, kosher, eaten on a kosher table. You should be happy. What did he do wrong? So in Shemayim, they said, you're right. He's going to be shechted, and that's, he should be happy. But you're wrong. He didn't have pity on the poor little calf. You should have maybe hit him a little bit more. You should have said, I understand you. It's okay. Don't worry. You shouldn't have said, Zil, go. Ready! 13 years! He was right! You're a calf! You're going to end up in the chillant! It's okay! Shemayim said, Wrong, even though you're right. He didn't have pity. Tell you a story. That, and, and there's many different riots. Adam, when Hashem said, who gave you to eat from the tree? He said, the wife that you gave me, he got punished for that. He, he said the truth. But he was a kafei toiv, even though he was right. He was an ingrate. So being right is not always being right. And being wrong is not always being wrong. This is probably the most famous stories, and we'll close with this. Listen to this unbelievable story. So there was a couple, this is brought down in the Kisve Arizal. There was a couple that lived in, in Tfas, and the guy was a peasant, he was a farmer, never learned a word of Torah in his whole life. His wife kept pushing him, go to Shul, go to Shul, go to Shul, go to Shul. One Friday night, he comes to Shul. 
and the rabbi is speaking and the rabbi the parsha of the week was talking about the lechem hapanim that was on the shulchan there were 12 breads that was on the shulchan in the base hamigdash and it was always warm and it went from one week to the other week and he's listening this, this peasant is listening to this and at the end the rabbi says but since the destruction of the base hamigdash we don't have the lechem hapanim anymore that's already 2,000 years since the destruction of the base hamigdash okay the guy comes home sits down by the Friday night table he's all perturbed his wife says what's going on why do you look so perturbed he says it's terrible the rabbi said something tonight it's really tragic she said what did he say well God used to have these 12 loaves of bread baked for him every week and he would eat them God would eat them but now the base hamigdash is destroyed God hasn't had a piece of bread in 2,000 years he's starving she's like really wow what should we do says, I'll tell you what we should do. We should bake 12 chalas for Hashem. And Thursday night, in the middle of the night, I'll take the chalas and I'll put it in the Aron Kodesh, And God will come down and he'll eat them. Now they were both peasants. They didn't know anything. Great! That Thursday night, they were poor. They bought the best wheat and she got eggs which were expensive and they sat there and they made 12 chalas for Hashem because Hashem is starving. He hasn't eaten in 2,000 years. Can you imagine? That God must be really hungry. So he takes these 12 warm chalas and he puts them in a sack and he goes to shul that night at 2.30 in the morning and he opens up the Arna Kodesh and he says, Hashem, we're going to do this for you every week. Here's your 12 chalas. And he puts it in the Arna Kodesh. Okay? Next morning, Shamas comes to the shul in the morning. Smells like a bakery. Starts looking around the shul. Can't find it. His nose leads him to the Rakodesh. Nah. No one's going to put chal in the Rakodesh. Opens it up. Twelve chalas. He says, wow. Must be Matam de Sacer. Someone wants to give the poor bread. And he doesn't want to know who he is. So good. He takes the twelve loaves of bread and he gives it out to the poor people. Erev Shabbos, 4 o'clock, the man who baked the bread sneaks into the shul to see if Hashem ate it. He opens up the Arna Kodesh, it's gone. He runs home. Chava! He ate it! She's like, I knew it! I'm the best baker in the world, even Hashem likes my chava. She's all excited and dancing around the table. Hashem ate the chava! Meshagam, No? Crazy people. Cuckoo people. All right. Next Friday, next Thursday, they get out, they bake it. And she's so excited. He said, let's see if he eats it again. You know, the first time he eats it, he didn't know what it was like. But if he eats it again, then we know he likes my chawa. Right? You come back the second time, you know, as a guest, you know it's good. So they check it out and he puts it in and he goes back at afternoon and it's gone again. He goes home and they're going crazy. This goes on for a year. Ari Akadosh writes this story. This goes on for a year. And then one night, the peasant comes with his 12 chalas in the middle of the night to put it in the Arna Kodesh. And he's going up the steps slowly to Arna Kodesh, not knowing that the rub of the shul is in the Ezra's Nashim. And the rub sees this guy with a bag with a sack going to Arna Kodesh thinking someone's coming to seal the safe at Torah. And he comes running out and says, caught you trying to steal a Sefer Torah he's like no Rabbi no I'm not stealing a Sefer Torah I have bread loaves of challah 
Rabbi says, loads of challah. Let me see. He opens it up. What are you doing with these loads of challah? He says, promise you won't tell anybody? God goes, no, I won't tell anybody. What? Well, I went to your speech a year ago, and you said Hashem doesn't have his challah. So me and my wife, please don't tell anyone, every Thursday night we give it to him, and the next day we come back, and he eats it. But please don't tell anyone. And that Rizal says, the rabbi looks at this fool. You fool! You Amaharetz! You peasant! That's what you got from my speech! God doesn't eat bread! God doesn't eat food! God hasn't been eating your bread! What do you mean? I checked it on Friday, it was gone! You fool! We've been taking your bread and giving it to the poor people! Go home to your wife! You and never a and a Jew goes home to his wife. Oy, Chaya. Hashem doesn't eat bread. The rabbi was told me, well, what do you mean? He checked out on a kosher, it was empty. I know, but he they gave it to the poor people. Arizal, Arizal writes that Friday night he had a dream. And in his dream came the Malach from the other side of the Parechas. The, mat- the big Malach in Shemayim and told the Arizal go tomorrow morning when you wake up to the rabbi's house and tell him he will not live out the day and tell him that God said for 2,000 years he had no enjoyment from this earth until these two bait chalas for him every Shabbos and you the rabbi took this reach nichoach away from God you will not live out the Shabbos and that Rizal says he died a terrible death at Mincha time ladies and gentlemen the rabbi was right God doesn't eat bread! Sorry. I come with sound effects. God doesn't eat bread. The rabbi was 100% right. You have to stop this Amaratsis. People are going to stop baking bread. People are going to stop bringing food to God. People are going to bring wine. They're going to think it's the wine on the Mizbeah. Soon they're going to bring animals. There's going to be steak. The Amaratsis is going to turn into a restaurant. This is out of hand. God doesn't eat. We have to stop it now. I'm a righteous. Rabbi was wrong. Rabbi was right. Rabbi was wrong. Because being right hurt two people who with their whole hearts and their whole souls serve God. You were right. But you were so wrong. But now let's go to the other side. Those two people, Chaya and her husband, was so wrong. So wrong. If I told you that I did this, you'd say, Rabbi Wallstein, you're an apikoyrus. It was so wrong. Baking challah for Hashem. When he came down, he ate it. Come on. Hashem eats? That's apikorsis. Hashem's not a human being. It was so wrong. But what did the Malach tell? The Arizal. 
The Malach told the Arizal that the only Reach Yichoach, you know Reach Yichoach was the, was, the, was the smoke that came from the Mizbeach, from the Ketiris. Okay? Because Baruch was saying, these wrong people, for 2,000 years, it's the first time that I had a Reach Yichoach from this world since the Beis Hamish was destroyed. They were so wrong that they were right. Because they did it with the right feeling. So I came here tonight in Queens to give you a secret. Because no matter how big a tzaddik you are, no matter how good you are, none of us can go through an IRS audit. And it's going to come Rosh Hashanah and the Makatrig, the Satan, who's the best. The Satan tells you in your head what to do wrong. And you know, there's an unbelievable, like Rav Shem Pinky said that it's so true. He said, how come right after you do something wrong, you feel bad? And then that feeling goes away, and you're like, eh, wasn't so bad. He said, because when the, when the Satan is, you have this fight, your Yetzir Tov and your Yetzir Hara are fighting, and he wins, and you do the Avera, so he runs, because he's also the prosecutor, he's the DA, the prosecutor, he's everything. He takes your Avera, and he, he goes running with it to, into Hashem. Look what she did, look what she did, look, right? While he runs, only, you only have your Yetzir Taif. That's when you feel guilty. So that second, when the Yetzir Hara leaves you to report what you did, you feel guilty because you only have a Yetzir Taif. But then he comes flying back and you're like, eh, it's not so bad. It's Rav Shimshim Pincus. Not Stan. So tonight, I'm giving you a secret. I like to give away secrets. The Sutton's not so happy. Okay, it's his problem. Too bad. Shh. I'm talking. Okay. Anyway. So, what's the secret? The secret's simple. So you're going to go home, and whether you're a teacher, a parent, married, in any relationship that you are, and you're going to know sometimes that you're right. Maybe this week you, you know you're right. Your mother is yelling at you, and your mamish didn't do anything wrong. And you're like, you know what, ma? If it bothers you, listen carefully. Even though I was right what I did, ma, but if it hurts you, then my right is wrong. That's what I learned by Rabbi Wallerstein share. I'm serious. Even though I'm right, if it hurts you, I'm wrong. Even if you sent me to get something and it's your fault you gave me the wrong instructions, and I'm really right that I didn't get the right thing that you told me to, in the end it's my fault. I misunderstood you. It's a whole different feeling. You're always right when the other person feels good. You're always wrong when you cause machlekes. MS is shalom. Sheker is Even if it's true, if it causes machlekes, it's sheker. So what God said, because it made peace between Avram and Sarah, even though it wasn't what Sarah said, MS Freya. It's MS. It goes back. If it made peace, it's MS. If it caused war, it's Shekah. So it's going to come Rosh Hashanah, and the Satan is going to come up and say, MS! She deserves, come on! The good side isn't even close to the bad side. Him? He doesn't dabble with Kavana. He comes to shul. His head is always every... Him! I want justice! 
I want MS. The biggest sheker in the world, the Satan who sheker on your Rosh Hashanah, he wants MS. I want judgment. I want honesty, Hashem. You can't be dishonest, Hashem. You're MS. If she deserves to be punished, she has to be punished. And none of us can pass that audit, including me. So how are you going to pass the audit? Your malach's going to come out and say, "Time out." What's the translation of MS? She or he? How many times this year did she knew the truth? And said that she was wrong to make peace. So Hashem has a right to tell the Satan he is wrong to make peace. Neither can I get Mida. My MS, my truth, was many times saying that I'm wrong. So in Shemaya, when I'm judged, it's not about right or wrong, because I made my wrong right. And many times when I was really the right one in the argument with my husband, with my parents, with my student, oh, a Rebbe, a, a, a teacher, you have such a kayach, you have such a strength to tell the kid, even when they're dead wrong. But one of the biggest tzaddik and gedolim of our generation used to give a shear. Rabbi Yashuk gave a shear every day in Gemara. There was one guy that used to come to the shir. My brother used to go to the shir. There was one guy who came to the shir who asked the dumbest questions that you could ever imagine. He talked about Rabbi Yashav, the, the, the most brilliant mind of the generation. And this guy would come to the shir every morning and ask the dumbest questions that, that a kid in third grade wouldn't ask. And Rabbi Yashav would take the man's question and say, I hear what you're saying, but you really need to ask this. And the guy would say, yeah, 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 that's what you really need to ask. And that was a good question. And he came back to share every day. You don't have to be right as a teacher. Don't be right. Don't always be right. Let the kids be right once in a while. When they go online, they're always right. When they go to a chat group, they're always right. When they text, they're always right. So why should they want to talk to you if they're always wrong? Let them be right. They want more right. We all want want more right. And if we know that we're right and we break ourselves and we say that we're wrong and it's Shemayim when they're right, the Satan is right. Hashem will break the Xerah. It's a crazy me that can make me the. And a lot of you are thinking, I can do this. When it comes to it, including me. Oh, it's so not good to be wrong. It so doesn't feel good to be wrong. But afterwards, when you walk away and say, wow, look how happy she is. Look how happy my husband is. He's, he's happy. So would I rather be right and him hurt or would I rather be wrong and then feel good? So I want to give you all a bracha. It's hard, it's hard, it's work. I do that to people. I, I make you work. I like to make you work. I like to make everyone sweat. What should I tell you? It's work and it's sweat and it's not easy. Oh, especially when it comes to your parents. Oh, oh, oh. When they tell you you're wrong and you know that you're right and you can prove it to your mother and father and to suck it up and to say, Ma, you got it. You're right. Why shouldn't, why shouldn't you make your mother feel good? And then you realize five minutes later, it wasn't a big deal. The stuff that makes it a big deal. Right. I'm right. Makes it a big thing. You're never wrong. But what happens is, after you're able to break it, you walk away, 
the right becomes very small. You become empowered. You become empowered. It's very hard. It's very hard. That's why when someone embarrasses you in public and you don't answer, right? You're kind of ilam in one second. You know what it is to be kind of in one second? You go straight to ilam habit. You can give a bracha to anybody. Big deal. So someone embarrassed me and I didn't answer. Big deal. The answer is they embarrassed you and they were wrong. And you can prove to them that they were wrong. And you didn't open your mouth so everybody thinks that you're wrong. In other words, if someone says something about me, gets up and says, Rabbi Wallerstein, da 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 and, and it's not true, right? And I don't say anything, then all of you in this room believe what they said. So all of you will believe that I'm wrong. And I'm not going to argue. I'm not going to answer to prove that I'm right. Whoa, that is so big that you go straight to Gan Eden. There's, no, there's, no, there's nothing in the world that gets you straight to Gan Eden. Get you straight to Gan Eden. Because it's so hard that all of you think I'm wrong and I can prove to you and say, I wasn't even in that town. How could they make up such a story, right? And I don't answer? That means everyone thinks I'm wrong and I don't say I'm right? What a power. You come to Rosh Hashanah with that? Whoa! So it's child to parent, it's parent to child, it's husband to wife, it's wife to husband, it's every single relationship, even with your friend. Let your friend be right. Hashem, let it happen that he made up a story that didn't happen. Let Avram feel good. These people are making chalas for me. It's stupidity. Wow. What a great feeling. Adam said the truth. Got punished. Because he wasn't ingrate. Rebbe said the truth. Told the calf, get out of here. Where's your Rachmanus? You're right. But you're very wrong. It's a big shear. I'm working on this since I prepared this shear. I'm working on it myself. And sometimes I passed and sometimes I failed. And I didn't realize after arguing and arguing and arguing with my friend on this Shabbos over it was a halacha, whatever it was, and arguing and arguing and I was like, hey, you're giving a shit about this. Tell him that he, you know what, maybe you are right, maybe I am wrong, let's look at the safer together. Give him, give him, give him, give him a good feeling. Don't crush him. Don't crush him because you got the goods. Wow, then they're going to crush you in Shemayim on Rosh Hashanah because they got the goods. Don't let them crush him because they got the goods. So if you don't crush other people because you got the goods, they can't crush you. So my brach is as follows. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.